Welcome to the Tape Cassette Podcast. I am Jacqueline here to talk to you about do-it-yourself tape cassettes and kind of like the failures or learning lessons that I've received in my time frame of doing self-releases. And this is kind of a fun topic for me because I love learning from micro mistakes that help the long-term macro of doing any type of project. So I do uh, thrive off of it. It's like when I make a mistake, I'm kind of excited to uh, problem solve and then get better. And um, I, <laughs> to quote Beyonce, uh, she recently, recently I watched a video where she was like talking about stuff that she does for herself and she's very competitive, but she's not competitive against other people. She's competitive against herself and she strives to be better each time with her own work. Um, I kind of feel the same way. I was recently, I had uh, received an email where someone was doing a bio for me and it was for work, uh, nothing to do with tape cassettes, but they did mention tapes and, um, They also said I was a very competitive person, which I'm like, hmm, I never really considered myself competitive. Um, But then when someone said that, I kind of had this self-realization moment where I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of a little competitive, but mostly with my own projects and trying to one-up myself. So um, I will start with the most recent project because that's where I learned a lot. Um, So one of the things that... I learned in this last project were that the stickers I was using, that was the biggest feedback that they were peeling. And I'm like, okay, well, that made sense because the ones that I were using were like straight from the 80s. And I didn't realize that there were companies that made stickers still. And I asked a fellow tape cassette collector and musician, I was like, hey, Um, what do you use for your labels? Because I did notice that your labels are really awesome. They don't peel. And um, he sent me a mixtape recently that had a clear label on it. So I was like, that's really awesome because a lot of the tapes that I use are colored. And it's nice to have the color with like the text over the color. So I thought that, you know, looking, I look at um, what other people are doing as inspiration sometimes. And um, I don't mind asking people for help. And I was like, hey, what are you using? And he gave me the link to the tape uh, labels that he was using. So I ordered some. And it's already made a big difference. Um, I've only done it for, like, a mixtape that I made that was, like, not one of my own original music. It was for my 45 show. And it was nice to know that because of the feedback I got from people who purchased the tape that I was able to improve the product um, the tapes themselves, and it was a learning lesson because, um, I was pretty much using what I had on hand, and I didn't think about the concept that they would peel, but then it made sense, and it was kind of, like, self-awareness, like, hey, wasn't aware that this was a problem, and I think it's super important to listen to your audience, so if you're getting, like, feedback from people, and it's constructive, not full criticism, um, it's important to kind of take that into consideration. 
And I do, um, I do, the same person that I got the labels from where to get them, they were also saying that um, they're in spe their specific genre is Vaporwave. So that genre is very particular about their cassettes. And um, there's been some labels that they just don't care about what their tapes look like and everything like that. Um, one thing that's a pet peeve of mine, which... I don't think this is a failure that I've experienced because I've learned from other people who did releases as well as from being a vendor of cassettes is that uh, people don't take the extra time to create protection for the tapes. Um, when I mail out all of my tapes, one of the things I do is use recycled cardboard. Um, if you're I would say anywhere, like, I know they're, well, not anywhere, but most of the people I know, including in Europe, will receive Amazon packages or whatever you order online comes in a package, and instead of throwing out all the boxes right away, if you have a release, uh, definitely save some to use it to kind of, like, line the tape, and then you can still put it in, like, a bubble wrap mailer, um, that, I noticed, has helped a lot. I don't know if anyone's had cracked jewel cases. I, for one, go the extra mile in making sure that the uh, packages are secure um, when I send them out. Because I have, as a vendor of Cassette Store Day last year, I ordered tapes. And the person just threw them into a bubble mailer. So they were sealed tapes, but the shells were cracked. So I'm like, great, now I can't sell this because... Um, it's a cracked shell. No one's going to be wanting to buy a brand new tape that's mint in condition that shouldn't have a cracked shell. Um, I did let that person know and they, they appreciated the feedback. I wasn't trying to get a refund or anything. I ended up just giving away that tape. Um, but it was more or less the concept of like, okay, if you're having someone paying for your product, it's super important to just, you know, cardboard, it might cost a couple more cents to ship it. But the cardboard makes a big difference because it's creating another layer of uh, protection. So basically, I kind of make like a taco with the... Um, <laughs> I don't know why I just called it a taco, but that's a very good definition of what it is. So like imagine a shell taco and inside you have the yummy stuff. So the cardboard, if you create like a little taco and then put your tape in between it and then make sure it's like pretty secure, um, if you have extra cardboard you, do, you could make like a flap um but if you have it just even in the little taco as simple as it is um you can make a cardboard taco for your cassette and then it will be protected and I definitely recommend that um even if like let's say you aren't a musician and you just like making them for cassette exchanges um it's still a good idea to kind of like make it so that the person can actually get the product that you made for them without it being all ruined. So that's my one little second tip, which I didn't experience um, having the problem of them being cracked. As far as I know, no one's complained about it, but um, that's one of the ones that I do to, per to prevent it from happening. Um, so that is one of the big ones I'd recommend. Another thing I noticed is that so like when I post for my tapes on Bandcamp 
and I put them on there. I am still trying to figure out how much shipping is. Like, the last ones that I sent out, I ended up having to go out of pocket for some of the shipping. Um, but part of it was because I was giving out free tapes, too, so the weight was heavier. But um, with shipping, uh, I do recommend that going, if you're doing domestic in the United States, there's several ways to ship, and a lot of people like to send cassette tapes through media mail. I personally recommend sending them through first class, um, and th the reason why is because I've had tapes go missing through media mail, and I like to give free things with my tapes. That's just one of the things that I enjoy doing. Um, most of the time when I'm sending tapes out, like, I'll put a handwritten note, um, even if people can't read my handwriting because my handwriting is horrible, but at least they know I tried. That's what counts. Um, I'll sometimes throw random things in there, like stickers, um, erasers I put in there before, uh, the bottle openers was a common one that I had, which, ironically, the bottle openers were originally sent out with my um, packages for clothing and stuff that I sold on Poshmark, and I had them left over, and I'm like, I think a lot of people like the keychain. It's like a little key, and it's a bottle opener, and a lot of people liked it, both men and women, so I was like, you know what? I'm going to send it with my tapes. Um, so... I've been doing that, and you can't send, if you're doing media mail, you can't send anything, not even a note, not even a sticker, not even a card, just the cassette. And, like, I am not expecting, I give people things because I enjoy doing it. And I enjoy knowing that the other person, it's like a little surprise. Like, there's something, I like getting mail, I like getting little surprises, so I assume that there's other people in the world that also like getting little packages. So I'll go the extra mile and make a cool little package. So it's an experience. So when you're getting one of my tapes, it's usually going to be fun in some way. That's just part of my brand, if you want to call it a brand. It's like, I like making little packages. So I guess uh, one of the things I notice is that other people, when, and I'm not shaming in any way, but... Other people, when they send out tapes, and, like, I'll order, I order a bunch of stuff on Bandcamp. So I'll order the tape, and there's, like, no thank you, no, not even, like, a post-it. There's just, like, nothing. It's just the tape. And that's fine, because I'm really just paying for the tape. But if you are a musician, and you're trying to take it to that next level, even a little post-it note saying, like, hey, thanks, or a smiley, or if you don't... One of the workarounds for not sending a note card in media mail is you can decorate the uh, packaging itself. So, like, you could say, like, thank you on there. Or I've seen some women um, back on the Poshmark app, um, some of the women on there will po put, like, stamps on theirs. Like, just, like, thank you stamps or something. Um, but you want to you want to have that connection with your audience. So I do recommend like you don't have to go all out and get keys for everybody. That's just me because I'm extra. But you could just write something as simple as saying thank you on the actual package is worth that in itself. Um, that's the one thing I noticed that I kind of am like, okay, I ordered these tapes 
And again, I'm not shaming because I, that's just me. I'm, I'm more like customer service driven. Um, and I, and I don't know, customer service is kind of like not the right word, but it's more like human connection. Like I enjoy doing things for other people and I enjoy knowing that, it could make their day, like getting an extra sticker makes someone's day. I've gotten, like, if I had a, I had a bad day the other day, not bad. I, I don't want to say bad because it's not really a bad day, but more like a tough day where I was a little more frustrated than usual. And the next morning I woke up and realized that my friend had sent me a package and like, that was really awesome of that person to send me a package and it had a bunch of cute little things inside of it. And I wasn't expecting it. Um, I know that they were gonna, I knew that they were sending me some pins, and it is relative to this topic too, because one of them was a really cute little cassette enamel, and it said, good vibes. So it was like even more, like, I guess perfect, because I got this little package, and the day before was really tough. Um, I, at my day job, I've been like transitioning into a new position and there's a lot more uh, responsibilities and sometimes it can be really overwhelming which I have full gratitude for that job because it allows me to do the stuff that I like to do and it's part of the reason I can put my tapes so cheap because I have a day job and I'm able to afford to do the stuff that I want to do um and I and it's more about like I I think with my do-it-yourself kind of stuff um it's more about like, I enjoy doing it, and I enjoy sending it to people. Um, but going back to going that extra step for your music, um, it just makes someone's day sometimes. Like, you don't know what another person is going through, and, like, just a little card might even... It, 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 it does make people's day. Maybe not every single person is that crazy about it, but there are some people that are super into it, um... I know I, for one, if I didn't get that package the next day, I, I mean, it would have been like the same day, but you know what? It really started the day off great because the day before was like a little tough. And then the next morning I got this really cool package and there were these little things in there and stickers or pens, whatever. It was so, it was awesome. And, um, that feeling is what I like to associate with my packages and it kind of, like, creates this connection with your audience that I think is super important. So that is my tangent on why I think going and putting extra stuff in your package, and it doesn't have to be expensive. It could be a doodle. It could be a stick person. Someone's going to appreciate it. Um, so another thing I learned the hard, hard, hard way was the turnaround time on the cassette duplication. So, and I'll go into this in two parts because, so like the first part is do-it-yourself cassette duplication and why I do that now instead of doing a duplication by a professional company, which I have also done that. So my first tape was done professionally and I had... I want to say like 50 or 60 of them made, which I just ended up giving them to everyone that got the Apollo 11 album, um, the mixtape. Uh, I, I just wanted to like get rid of them because it was like my first mixtape and I don't, it's not bad, but I kind of have like moved on from it and everything else is sold out. So I'm like, okay, why don't I just give these? Because back again to surprise and delight of the customer 
or the audience. So, like, I wanted to give them something else for their... It's, like, appreciation for what they're giving me by giving me their attention and listening to my music and my, my work. So I'm like, let me give them an extra tape. So I gave them out. But when I did that cassette duplication, it was, for one, kind of expensive. Like, didn't know what I was doing. Um, I did charge a lot more for them. And I had them professionally done. And I learned a lot about... During the professional duplication, I learned a lot about audio mixing because they were leveling stuff out, which originally, um, I don't know how to explain this, but with vinyl records, you have to level the music so that you aren't having, like, the popping sound as much. And on cassettes, it's similar, which I didn't know that that was a thing until I got it professionally dubbed. So the silver lining of paying to have someone do that is that I learned how to do that for my future tapes. But when you're, um, when you're mixing, if you have different parts of the audio, like if a track is super low compared to the other tracks, unless that's what you're going for. Because Apollo 11, there were definitely points where all you heard was, like, hiss. But that was on purpose, because part of it was that I took audio from a actual cassette tape. So, like, I took cassette tape audio and put it on a cassette, and that is going to be hiss-sounding. But um, for the, the, not the aesthetics, but for the purpose of the other, the first tape, it was not supposed to have that with the exception of the first one. So when I did give them the feedback on the mixing, I'm like, well, all my stuff is kind of experimental. It's supposed to be lo-fi and I'm okay with it kind of having that hiss to it because it gives it more of an organic sound versus like the fact that most of my stuff is digital. So, um... Anyway, uh, what I learned from the professional duplication was that you have to be cognitive of how you are producing sound and how it sounds on the tape because the tape, if you, if you duplicate a tape correctly, that hiss is almost like not even noticeable in some situations. So, um, that was one of the things that I learned from that. Now, um, part of the lesson in getting something duplicated is that I definitely ordered way more than I should have. And um, that was another lesson in trying to do more of smaller batch releases, which again, my friend, um, which I've actually met almost all of my cassette friends from the internet. I don't know any in real life cassette collectors, so like that's a fact. Um they do small batches, and I, for a while, like, I am a pretty creative person. I want to do a million things at once, and I've had, the second that I was like, okay, you have a million projects going on, um, Secret Vinyl Club, which was a thing I started, that failed. The Kickstarter failed. This is the failure podcast, so I'm putting it all out there. And, like, believe it or not, it was a huge relief of anxiety with it failing because I'm like, okay, now I don't have to worry about selling units. I don't have to worry about trying to mail all that. So, um, going back to what I was talking about before, uh, if I kind of just lost train of thought, but, um, with the 
over-purchasing of, like, inventory, it made it harder. And then with the concept of having so many different projects that I like to do, and, like, my, my first cassette tape was Space Cadet, and it came with the comic book, and then my friend was like, I was like, I love your work, I think you need to keep doing it, but maybe you should separate the stuff. And in that moment, well, not in that moment, because, like, almost every conversation is, is kind of, like, repetitive in my head, where I'm like, okay, let me think about this. Like, I had a Yoda moment where I'm like, okay. So, I um, sat there, and I thought about it for, like, a few days, and I'm like, okay, we need to focus. Like, just sit down and focus on one thing. Like, I can't do vinyl and comic books and writing. I mean, I could do it, but I'm also working a ton of hours on my day job. Like, I work a lot. And then I, I'm trying to get back into fit fam life. So I'm like, okay, I've heard it before that you should have three hobbies. One that keeps you in fit, keeps you fit. One that makes you money and one that lets you be creative. So I'm like, okay, we got, we have the, the thing that I do to keep fit is the gym and yoga. And then I have a day job that pays for my stuff. So that's income. So I have to have one that allows me to be creative. So I'm, I'm like, I try all this stuff and I kept throwing stuff to the wall, but I'm not really, like, it's, like, strategic throwing, like, not, more, like, darts instead of, like, okay, let's see what sticks, which it's kind of, like, still, let's see what sticks, but I'm, like, okay, let's focus here, and then I started to get momentum with the tapes, and then I'm, like, okay, I'm just gonna focus on making tapes, and it started with making mixtapes to swap with people. And then I don't know what... Oh, no, I do know what. I do know what. Because I was like, I don't know what made me want to do more mixtapes. But then I'm like, I know what made me do of original mixes. So the thing that made me want to do that is that I bought a huge package of, like, random cassettes. Just, like, ones that were considered art cassettes because they no longer worked appropriately. And I'm like, these are really cool. Let me get an assorted random batch of cassettes. And then I'll, like, swap the cassettes of, like, the colored ones that were not functional into the ones that were working. And they call that a transplant, in case you were wondering. So, And if you weren't wondering, now you know. So basically, I got, like, two, two or three. I got three. Three or four, three or four, I got four, okay. So there were four shells that were blue, and two, three of them were in the art box, so these are ones that are not working, and one of them was in my working pile. The working pile is just a, a random assortment, and I chose 30-minute durations, which 30 minutes is like my favorite type of mixtape right now, so that's almost all my mixtapes are 15 minutes on each side in case you were wondering that too. And I was like, I really like this blue cassette. And I'm like, okay, I kind of felt inspired by blue. And at the day that that came in, I was stuck at my house. So I'm like, okay, I don't even know if I brought this up in a previous podcast. So if I already have, um, this is part two of listening to this, but okay. I'm like at, stuck at home. Someone's coming to fix something with like a water pump or something going on with the water. 
And I was literally stuck at the house for the entire day, and I made an entire album mixtape. Mixtape, because they aren't, they're like concept mixtape. And I called it like Water Twerks. And Water Twerks was a play on Waterworks, the movie. So I was like, I'm just going to call this Water Twerks. And that was probably the start of making a bunch of mixtapes. And I basically took the ones that weren't working and transplant transplanted the insides of the ones that were working and put them into the one that looked cool. And then I came up with this tape. And then... um. It was at that moment that I'm like, okay, I can handle this. I can handle four tapes, and they sold out pretty fast. Um, by pretty fast, I mean a couple weeks. Nothing sold as fast as Apollo 11, which I'm also going to get into the failure of the parts that were... It was a really good success, but the parts of duplication part. So, um... Back to my friend saying I should focus. He does small batch releases. So in my head, I'm like, okay, at that point, okay, we, we narrowed it down to just tapes. Okay, that's where my focus was. Secret Vinyl Club failed, so vinyl's out. I still collect and, and listen to records, but it's also really saturated right now. So I feel like this is going to sound super hipster, but it's like when you're a big fish in a little pond, it's easier than being a big fish in a big pond or a little fish in a big pond, however that goes. So, um, I like the cassette community cause it's a little bit smaller and easier to communicate with people. And like, I know a lot of people in that community. I knew a lot of people in the vinyl community too, um, it's a little bit bigger, and the other part of it is that, like, Secret Vinyl Club, for example, didn't fund, be in part, I don't know if it's just maybe the market wasn't there as well, but there's a lot of factors. One of the biggest factors was the cost of making a record, okay? And that is the biggest driver for me going into tapes. And then the fact that I can do, like, a release and just make four of them, like, there's literally only four people, and I am one of the four that has the Water Twerks mixtape. There are three other people who have them, and two of the people, actually, yeah, two of the people that have them have every single one of my releases. So, literally, there's only two people on this earth that have every single release right now as we speak. How epic is that? So, um... I thought about it and I'm like, okay, let me do small batch releases. It lets me stay focused. It's not overwhelming. I can do them easily. And it all kind of progressed from there. And a lot of it was like based on what I found. Um, the second batch that I did was called ATX in the Mix. And that's basically Austin, Texas themed mixtape. And what I did for that was I had three... Yeah, I had three red tapes, and they all sold, and then I made different random assorted color ones that I put for free at um, end of the end of an year in Austin, and I did send one out to a couple people, but they weren't, the ones that were available for sale were three red ones, and there were, those are the only three red ones, and there was a total of 12 tapes made entirely, like out of all of them. And I have um, one of the last ones left. Uh, one went to Denmark. Another one went to the Philippines earlier this week. 
So um, I like the limited batch releases and part of it is because they're easy to do. And before I was doing like a day turnaround on getting them done, and this is part of the lesson with Apollo 11 was, okay, so Space Cadet, I was sitting on the merchandise for a while. Like it was a while and it was because they were more expensive. And then I started putting the mixtapes really cheap, like $2 or less. And then they started selling really quickly, which then like, okay, marketing standpoint, it makes more sense to put them at a buck or two because my whole thing is that I want to share the music. And like, for me, like getting the music out for a buck or two and like maybe losing some is more valuable to me than charging eight bucks for a tape, which is what I was doing with Space Cadet. And the theory has worked with that because a lot of people are starting to learn about the music. And now I'm kind of like, I'd rather just give them all out for free. But I can, and I'm, and then maybe I might do that. I can't tell you because if I was going to do it, it wouldn't be a surprise. Or maybe I just spoiled, spoiled the surprise. <laughs> Either way, I have something in the works. I can't announce it yet, but when it's time, I will. Um, but, so like Apollo 11 posted so like the way that that worked is I did it the night before I was like oh my god tomorrow is the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 moon landing and then I'm like I need to make music about this because that's how my brain works it gets a random inspiration and then I'm like oh let me make a mixtape about this so literally less than 24 hours later I did the entire mixtape and then within minutes of finishing the tape, like, I hadn't even, like, I hadn't even made one of the tapes yet. I just finished the two tracks. Well, not two tracks. It's, like, multiple songs. But I finished the A side. I finished the B side. And then I'm like, okay, let me quickly make a J card. Let me quickly make the label. I printed the J card and the label. I stuck it on these cassettes that I had because I've been buying more cassettes in bulk. And I had 25 of these, like, blue, navy blue-looking tapes, and I'm like, oh, well, I'm gonna make this album. I'm gonna put it online. So, like, within minutes of finishing the tape, I put it on Reddit, and within four hours, the 25 were sold out, which was, like, mind-blowing, because I had literally just made this album. It was a less than 24-hour album, and it sold out. And then I had a lot of people messaging me that they wanted a copy of it. And I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. One guy bought, like, five. And they're, like, on Discogs for more than what I was charging for them. So I'm like, okay, I have a, I have a person scalping my tapes right now. Which uh, is kind of hilarious and awesome at the same time. Like, super awesome. I think some artists would be, like, salty about it. I'm like... I mean, like, someone wanted to buy five of them. I can't get mad. That probably built the hype on it. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. Uh, there are literally only... I only have, like, one, maybe two blue tapes left that I set aside for myself because I do keep a copy of all my tapes. And I get I got messages. I put one on reserve for someone. The one that I mentioned was going to the Philippines. I had promised them that I'd save one for them. And I got these messages and like, I was, I felt so bad. I felt so bad when they sold out because it's like the people that 
I was like, what about the people that I'm friends with? Not, fr- I like, I say friends, but they're, like, people that follow me, and they have all my tapes, and I'm like, those people didn't even get a chance to buy it. <laughs> so I'm like, oh my god, they didn't even get a chance to buy it, and it's already sold out, and then I felt so bad at night, because I wanted to make sure everybody got one, so, um... I was, I was on the fence because I'm like, I wanted it to be a limited release, so I, I don't want to, like, shortchange the people that jumped on it because it was a limited release. And then um, one person messaged me that they really wanted it because they had, like, a tattoo that was the same image of the cover, and I'm like, okay, I'm like, let me sleep on it. Then I went to my tapes, and I'm like, okay, I got 20, 25 gold tapes. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do a second batch. I asked my husband, I asked my friend, and they're like, just do a second batch. And I'm like, okay, I'll do it, I'll do it. So I made the gold cassette release, which is the second one, and then that eventually sold out too. So that was awesome. It was really awesome to sell them out. But then once that happened, the reality hit me. And I'm like okay, you got to make 50 tapes right now. So I'm like, okay, I have four decks. Um, I have, well, I have two, I have a lot of Walkmans and, um, a couple non-Sony little portable cassette players. And then I have two decks and then I have a CD player boom box that's Sony. And I made the first copy And then I ended up, like, just having to try to do the duplication. It didn't work. So I was like, it sounds horrible. And I'm, like, all about the quality of my product. I want it to be similar for everyone so they have the same experience. And it was, like, a disaster. Like, the tape tape decks weren't recording at the same quality as the boombox was recording, which is really ironic, but that's the reality of it. So... I'm like, okay, how am I going to do this? So I had to do every single tape one at a time in real time. And that was a lot. And then that was my biggest lesson was like, okay, if you're going to be doing a massive release like that, two things need to happen. Um, You either have to have it ready ahead of time. But going back to what I said before, I liked the fact that I was doing them based on orders because it was less... um, waste of money. So, um, what you don't have in money, you have in time. So in this situation, I did have to make all the cassettes one at a time. And I was running into like being unorganized. Um, like I, I was doing all the A sides first and then I would do the B sides and I'm like weird. Cause I don't like the screws being on the same side as the sticker. And then I, so I decided that the A side would be the sticker side, but then people online were like, oh, it wasn't reverse or whatever. And I'm like, no, 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 the A side is the sticker side. So now that was another lesson was that I'm putting on my labels that it is the A side or the B side so that people know what side is which. Um, it was just the aesthetics purposes of it. I guess the normal way, like what is normal anyway? Like who decided that that was a thing? So I decided on my own that I don't want the screws being on the same side as the sticker because it looks ugly. Like, that's just the reality of it. It doesn't look as cute as when it's a sticker with no screws. And if you look at the tapes, um, if you already have one of my tapes, you can look at it that way. I tend to do that. 
um, or if you look at any other tape, some people will put the sticker on the same side as the screw. And it just looks ugly. Sorry, that's the reality of it. It lo doesn't look cute. So I decided to do it the other way, but I should have had something on the label that said this is the A side. So lesson learned. Now I need to label what side each side of the tape is, which is fine. It's all learning. Um, no one was like super upset about it either. It was just like these were just feedback moments that came in. So back to doing the duplications, I came up with a sticker system and I use like little flags that you would use in school, like little, they're like little post-it flags that are tiny. They're maybe the size of your like thumbnail if you don't bite your nails. Um, so maybe like an inch or I don't know how long they were, but they're different colors. So I made a little system where I'm like, okay, yellow means needs to be tested. And then green means good to go. And then like pink means A side done. Purple means B-side done. And then there's one other sticker that I can't remember now, but that might have been all of them. So essentially, anytime I did anything with a, with, a, with a tape, I would immediately put a sticker on the tape. If the tape was in the radio or in the cassette player, I would put the sticker over the tape deck so that I, and they're easy to take on and off. They're not big. They're tiny. But this way I had a visual like, okay, this tape that's in there needs to be tested. Okay, these tapes over here, they're green. They need, they're need they good to go. Because I would do, um, one person was like, why don't you just do them all at once? And I'm like, because sometimes you, like, I don't know, everyone has their own way of working. That was the way I, I worked well. And when I did the sticker system, everything was like perfect at that point. Until I started, I, I made sure I tested all the cassettes too. And then I noticed that a batch had, like, the first couple seconds of the song cut off when it was, like, the beginning part of Apollo 11 where they're, like, something, the adventure, it got cut off. So I'm like, okay, great. Now I got to go back and do all these. Um, so basically the sticker system saved me. Um, and then it was also overwhelming to do so many at once. And then the other part that I learned about through failure was that if I'm going to be doing a release where I do private, um, not private, but like small batches where I make each batch, I have to put a longer turnaround time because I said a day or two, which like, okay, if you're, if I have like one sale, like I didn't think 25 were going to sell at once. I didn't. I just don't have that kind of time to make them all within a day. And then I did notice that my friend had a recent release and his said 14 days. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I totally have to put 15 days the next release because like one day was just like not enough time. And then I felt so bad that people were probably waiting for it. And then I know like one person ordered a bunch of them and it took longer. And most people probably don't even remember that they ordered it, but I, I felt really bad about that. And that was probably more upsetting to me than anybody else. Cause I try, I'm very, I try very hard to be punctual and, um, like with my online clothing selling, if I do that, I'm very on point about getting stuff out the next day. So with tapes, I did realize like, okay, original release, it's gotta be 14 days or something ridiculous so that I have enough time to send it out. 
Um, and then, of course, if it's sent earlier, then no one's, like, upset or waiting. But that was just one of the big lessons I learned was turnaround time. And um, my most recent tape that I'm working on is for Cassette Store Day. And that's going to be a little bit easier, but it's also, like, timeline-driven. So if I have stores ordering, I have to get those out faster. So that was the most that I could think of for this topic. I'm sure if other stuff come up, I'll do another do-it-yourself because it's it's always a continual learning process. Um, I've done, so I did the Space Cadet, Water Twerks, ATX in the Mix, and Apollo 11 were the four that were released. So, uh, and then the fifth, of course, will be Alice in Wonderland. And in that time, just like, doing four tapes, I learned so much. 